Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Periodic Table, episode 38. Too Drunk to Spell Schmeckle. S-H-E-X-L-M-L-P. Recorded November 8th, 2012, and brought to you by Element OP Productions. Element OP.com. It's good to be back with you this week uh, for a belated episode number 38 of the periodic table welcome everybody uh we had to cancel the show last week both sean and aaron had some last minute things come up and then um i only record now these days now on thursdays and sundays and mondays so we canceled the thursday show i got sick over the weekend so i missed the sunday and the monday show so it's been like 11 days since i've recorded anything uh, and I, I have missed it. It's uh, it's been uh, although it was kind of nice actually. It was it, I both missed it and it was nice not having to spend several hours every day either preparing notes or editing shows. Uh, but we're back. Glad you're here with us. Um, thanks for the well wishes out there. I was uh, getting uh, tweets and emails from people saying, "Hey, I'm worried about you. I haven't heard from you." So uh, I don't know if that's a good thing or a little sad that uh, <laughs> that I have such a an online presence that if I'm not there for a few days, people think I'm dead. Um, <laughs> but uh, we're all back in and confirm nor deny. And the we all, of course, is uh, the interrupter in chief, Mr. Aaron Butler. Hi, Aaron. Hello. And the guy I haven't come up with a name for yet, Mr. Sean Keibel. Hi, Sean. Hey, good to be back as usual. I give you a different name every week. I haven't I haven't stuck with one yet, but I think I think I like Interrupter in Chief for Aaron. I think that's his from now on. <laughs> yeah, it fits. Because I never get through an intro when he's on the show. Correct. Yeah, and Mrs. Opie in the chat room is saying, you weren't dead, you were just sick. Well, I didn't really feel like there was a whole lot of difference there for a while. Um, you know, one of those, uh, you know, the, the 24-hour, 48-hour viruses you get that just put you on the floor and then go away for a little while. That's what I had. I was, I was in <laughs> trouble, you know. Oh, in the chat room, Mark. Captain lateness, awesome. <laughs> Captain tardy pants. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Georgia mom had me thinking yeah. about because uh, she said the guy. And uh, uh, when I was in there teaching middle school, I had a student that called me Mister Dude. I kind of like that. Yeah, Mister Dude. And my friends' neighbors <laughs> used to call me Big Dude. Big hey, dude. when's Big Dude coming back over? I had a friend who for my entire life, I mean, I haven't seen him in probably 10 years, but if I did, he would probably still call me Biggin. That's all he ever called me, Biggin. Not my, not by my name, Biggin. Mark, one year uh, uh, when we lived in, uh, what was it called? Was it Wyatt Hall? Whitley Hall. Whit- Whitley. We lived in, Mark and I lived in this 12-story dorm during college. One day this this young guy got on the elevator and he said, <laughs> he said every time i see you you're always smiling his voice was melodic just like this every time i see you you're always smiling and i think to myself he's so big but he appears so gentle he's a gentle giant <laughs> and i call you that to myself there's the gentle giant <laughs> That's that has stuck with me <laughs> for 20 years at uh, where I used to live at the local uh, McDonald's, I would go through the drive-through. You know, not not every day, but you know, uh, I lived there for a long time, and and they got to know me as the guy with the voice. I would pull up and I would order, and they would say, "Hey, that's the guy with the voice." Um, 
and that kind of made me chuckle. And then just this uh, last weekend, I took the family down to uh, a local ice cream joint called Brewster's that they really like. I like it too. And we drove through the window that uh, they have a drive up. I can actually drive through the window. I went through the drive through uh, and you went pulled I, up to the drive through yeah. window. And when, when, when I pulled up there, he said, yeah, I knew you, you're the guy with the voice. <laughs> so it's following me everywhere I go. <laughs> it's because Mark, you pull up and you'd say, I'd like a number four, cut the pickles right. with That's extra cheese. I'd like a large drink. <laughs> I'll take your a number 11 value meal with a diet, Dr. Pepper, no ice, please. One of my son's classmates' dad actually does voiceover work, and that's how he talks. He's like, well, Sebastian's had a great day today. and <laughs> I knew this guy. He, I, I called him the voice. Uh, uh, there where I used to work I, in college, I worked at a burger joint, and he would, he would come in, and he had this just amazing stately voice. And I, I, he told me he had done voiceover work, but he couldn't help it. He was kind of like James Earl Jones. He just yeah. Every word he says sounded regal. And this guy's the same way. I mean, yeah. this, that's just the way he talks. I mean, he's like, son, get the sleeping bag out of the tent and lay it out. <laughs> so uh, it was a bit of a slow news week this week. And since we had a show that we didn't get to do last week, some of the news this week I have sort of recycled a little bit. And one of the reasons it was a slow news week is uh, because you may have heard that there was some political activity that went on this week. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Aaron, you have a question. What what's strontium? Oh, I yep. forgot. I totally forgot. You're so out of practice. I am. I am out of practice. This is episode number 38 of the periodic table, which means I must by royal decree tell you about the element with the period uh, with the element with the atomic number. There we go. Of 38, which is strontium which does not occur as a free element, only as an alloy or a mixture. Uh, it's softer than calcium and decomposes in water more vigorously. Mm. Um, it's uh, mm -hmm. freshly cut. It has a silvery appearance, but rapidly turns a yellowish color with the formation of the oxide. It's one of those cool metals that when you drop it in water, it explodes. Um, it's, uh, it's a very bright red color when burned and, and for that reason is used in fireworks, which I said about another element recently. Yeah. So there you go. Strontium. Interesting. So when you go to uh, your Independence Day celebrations, note it's Independence Day, uh, just like we don't celebrate December the 25th, um, and they launch the uh, fireworks in the air and have that really bright red, white, and blue, well, the red is probably because of strontium. I don't know that. Strontium in the air. <laughs> All right. So anyway, we had we had some political activities this week. Uh, i.e. a general election where we, I should say, we elected a new president. We didn't. We chose to retain our existing president. Um, Barack Obama has been awarded a second term. Whether you think that's a good thing or a bad thing, it is what it is. Uh, and it's all, it's, it has sparked this, the, uh, the almost um, predictable discussions about should we kill the electoral system. Like my wife, the day of the election, or maybe the day after, said to me, so how, long, how much longer do you think the Electoral College will be around? And I said, I don't know. I don't really see much of a future. I don't think it could last more than another 150 years or so. Um, well, I'd like to read my Facebook status that I, that I posted after the election. Please do. If I could. I put, 
It's a sad week in the USA. In case you live under a rock and haven't heard, the American people suffered a tragic defeat this week in a hotly contested debate. Cowboys 13, Falcons 19. <laughs> <laughs> they are America's team. In case you they are. They are. Although, uh, more recently, the New Orleans, the U.S. Saints have sort of tried to co-opt that because that whole hurricane thing. But uh, Yeah. The hurricane thing. That whole hurricane thing. <laughs> I like how you just casually dismiss an entire tragic era and uh, you know piece of our of our national history. That whole hurricane thing. Yeah, yeah. but it, they may have been hit by a hurricane, but they didn't have the great Tom Landry. So, Cowboys are still better. <laughs> I uh, I've gotten to see the Cowboys two weeks in a row in my local Atlanta market. And they lost both games. So I'm so bummed about that. I got to see them lose in high definition instead of streaming it online like I normally have to. I got to see them lose in person. That was my That's wife's right. birthday present. We went to the game Sunday night. It was a great game, though. It really was. It was. I actually enjoyed it much more than the game when we went three years ago and saw them play in Texas when the Cowboys stomped the Falcons like 34-13 or something yeah. like that. This was actually a much more enjoyable game. So we do have a little bit of listener feedback from a fellow who calls himself copycat he says i just got through listening to episode number 37 thoroughly enjoyed as usual mrs opie should be encouraged to come on regularly her laugh was refreshing compared to the usual gruff laughter i don't know what he's talking about (laughs) so uh yes uh if you haven't listened to that show go back and listen to it my wife mrs opie uh, was on the show and uh, was quite a refreshing addition. She chose not to be here tonight. Um, we shut up. We couldn't get her to shut up. That's right. <laughs> I think if I edited out everything she said from the show, it would be about 97 seconds shorter. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. good to have her on, though. Yeah. There, there, is, there are a few hams in my family. I am the, the chief among them. Uh, my children are right up there. My wife, however, is not one of them. She is not a hammy person at all. She's rather shy and reserved. My middle well, daughter, we call her mini me because she is, she is me just smaller and female. Uh, so she is the next biggest ham. It's, it's tough to step into a show though. And, you know, uh, just kind of get into the flow and know when to jump in there and, yeah. and things, you know, you, we we go back and forth and banter on and uh, but if you're not used to doing that, uh, it's actually kind of difficult. Like you want to be polite, right? Right. Yeah, that so. doesn't fly in this group. You can't be polite, and and that's one of the things that uh, often gets people uh, when we do interviews with people. Uh, Skype, by its very nature, being a half duplex communication method, you have to interrupt people to be heard right. because they will never know you're talking until you interrupt them. So uh, it's a it's something that we've had to sort of train people to do. Except Aaron. Yep. He's the interrupter-in-chief. I am. Uh, also, this week, uh, before we are together again, uh, we will have Veterans Day. So I will go ahead and preemptively say thank you to those who served and who are currently serving, including our very own, the late Mr. Sean Keibel, a uh, retired Marine, former Marine. What do you call yourself? You didn't retire. Just a former He's a Marine. Marine. Uh, yeah, exactly. A Marine. Yeah, they, they'll, uh, Marines w- are fond of saying that, you know, there's no such thing as a former Marine. Uh, yeah, once a Marine, all, always a Marine kind of thing. So you served, what was six years, right? 
I did six years. I did four years in Southern California and two years in Japan. So uh, thank you for your service. We appreciate you uh, putting yourself on the line in the war torn area of Japan. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. I did, however, drive for a general, and uh, when you when you do that, you have to uh, go through the uh, Secret Service Driving School, and. Uh, the great thing about that is one of the first things they teach you is that when you're ambushed, the first person they shoot is the driver. The driver. Right? <laughs> so, not that I had to worry too much about being shot in Japan, but yeah. So with the camera. I still boom, boom, faithfully put my life on the line. <laughs> yeah. You know, and there there is no um, trivial service. I... I I, I like to say that, you know, even if you served stateside writing a desk for four years, you still volunteered to give up your freedom, essentially, and mm -hmm. to a large extent, give up your rights uh, for us for a time. And that's no small thing. So, you know, even even if you weren't uh, deployed in a war zone, you what you did was still more noble than what a lot of us have done. So thank you to all who have done that and who are currently doing that. And all those people in the military, they spend a great deal of time away from family and friends. And, um, you know, so that's certainly a sacrifice. I know that was the toughest thing about being overseas was uh, the holidays were especially uh, lonely. Even though you had your fellow Marines there and you kind of banded together and sort of made a quasi-family and you'd sort of try to observe Christmas. It was uh, somewhat meager but uh, those were the times when you really felt it because, you know, you knew your family. You knew what your family was doing at that time. You know, they're thousands of miles away. Everybody's over at mom and dad's house or whatever, eating pumpkin pie and watching the football game. Uh, so, uh, you know, especially as we come up on the holidays, uh, try to keep that in mind. There's thousands of military members all across the globe that are uh, going through that. So, yes. And our our friends in Europe don't call this Veterans Day. They call it Armistice Day, and it's a much more somber occasion. Rather than giving thanks, they remember the dead, uh, much what, what we do on what we call Memorial Day. So to our global audience out there, um, those who uh, gave the ultimate sacrifice, of course, we sort of can't really say thank you to them, but to the families of those who are left behind, uh, our hearts and our well wishes go with you. It's uh, it's no small thing to be a family member of one who sacrificed himself for the greater good. So enough of that. Just a, a quick word of thanks, and then we shall move on. Um, a bit of news, just frivolous and pointless. Uh, I did had two major milestones as a citizen of the great state of Georgia. I voted for the first time as a Georgian. And I now have an official Georgia license plate. And representing the Element Opie Network, my license plate uh, reads, I am Opie. So my Georgia I license plate, I, uh, if you follow me on any of the social networks, Google+, Twitter, Facebook, I posted a picture of it there. So I proudly uh, wear my opiness <laughs> on my car. You know what I realized today as we were at my son's PTA meeting tonight in the some some kids from Troop uh, Pack 675, which my son's also a member of, presented the colors. I have no idea what the Georgia State flag looks like, and I've lived here six years. <laughs> I I could not tell you what it, if you if you put five flags up from five random states and one of them was in Texas, I couldn't tell you. 
Um, yeah, a friend of mine, uh, no, not a friend of mine, my kids and I were, were uh, in a church when we first got here, and we were walking down the hallway, and they had all these flags out of different uh, countries in which they had missionaries. And uh, my children asked me which of those flags was the Georgia flag. And I said, I don't know if any of them are. I can't tell you. I don't know. It's a, it's three, it has three stripes, red, white, red, uh, a blue field, much like the Texas flag, United States flag with a circle of stars around uh, something. I can't tell what the something is. It's, uh, the, <laughs> and it it's says, some, don't tread on me. No, right. that's not It's right. uh, three pillars supporting an arch that represents the three branches of the government. And a man with a sword drawn is defending the Constitution, whose principles are wisdom, justice, and moderation. So the three branches of government would be the bribe givers, the bribe takers, and the promise makers? That's no, that'd be the legislative, judicial, and executive. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, this flag was adopted May 8th, 2003. Wow. Oh, so it's a, a new, new flag. flag. Yeah. Um, and it's got 13, the stars represent 13 colonies. Okay. So there you go. I'm learning a lot about uh, the history of our country here because so much of for example, the Civil War was fought right here. Yeah, and that's why we have a new flag. The 2001 to 2003 Georgia State flag (laughs) had five flags on the the bottom of it, one of which is kind of a modified Confederate flag, and the 1956 to 2001 flag has kind of a blue field on the left, and then on the right half is basically what most in the South know as the Confederate flag type look, and I'm guessing that people got uh, less politically correct about that as yes we, we have to we have to ignore our history and pretend it didn't exist yes, and yes. Wipe it away. because yeah anyway as mark twain said history doesn't repeat itself but it does tend to rhyme <laughs> so our first story this week um i'm calling more zero tolerance stupidity this is from our friends over in australia uh and i'm just going to have to plead ignorance i tried to to uh um, to research this, I don't know. The first line says in WA's Southwest, I don't know what WA means. Western Australia. I, I don't know. Uh, but somewhere in the Southwest of WA, whatever that is, uh, in a town of Bunbury, an elementary school has banned hugging. And recently, uh, a couple of kids were dismissed, essentially, um, given detention, uh, not not expelled, but given detention for hugging. The uh, the the administration says that uh, hugging was rampant. It was getting out of hand. There was too much hugging going on, and so they had to put the kibosh on it. And they have a zero tolerance policy on hugging. And you are correct. WA is Western Australia. Okay, thank you. Well, so uh, I'm guessing that the uh, headmaster of the school is probably the president of his homeowners association too, because it's that kind of mindset that creates <laughs> stupid things like bans on hugging. Well, the rule was enforced Mark following injuries after quote over enthusiastic quote hugs injuries. Yes. He hugged me so hard. He hurt me. So we the have behavior to was out hugging. of control with students hugging each other several times a day. Oh my gosh, the rampant anarchy several times a day. The mother simply says, I'm dumbfounded by the decision to reprimand my daughter's actions. 
<laughs> and she it wasn't a big deal she had to sit out at recess so it's not like they you know really took it to the extremes but still it's a little ridiculous um to ban hugging now my strict constructionist mindset says the kid broke a rule there should be a punishment and if you read through the article it's like they had just had an assembly about no hugging and like moments later they hugged so basically they set an example made an example of them had them sit out at recess so it's not a big blown out of of, uh, proportion thing but still still the idea of banning hugging is a little ridiculous to me I mean, well, and if if they're really huggers and they do it ten times a day at home, they probably didn't even think a second thing about it. They right. just hugged away. Now, Sean, you and I both have spent a great deal of time in elementary schools. Can you walk down the hall without getting five hugs at the elementary school? No, no. I mean, you know, it, that's the thing. If you're an adult, especially a male, uh, you, you you're like it, it kind of makes you nervous, right? Because these these kids will just come up to you and just give you a big old hug, and you're like, you know, you don't want anybody trying to say you're molesting their kid or anything. So you know, you're kind of nervous about it. You're like, uh, thanks, kid. You know, you don't know really how to react to it, but you you hate to do what happened in this store, which is thwart them, right? I mean, here's a child. You're like, no, don't love your fellow man. Yeah, heaven forbid we care about one another. We right. have to get rid of that. It's just, it's a little ridiculous. And I, and I think the, you know, the school um, <laughs> is probably dumbfounded themselves to find that they've made national news for sitting a couple of kids out of recess. But uh, zero tolerance means 100% stupidity. I stand by that statement. Anytime you have a zero tolerance policy, you're being an idiot. Amen. <laughs> I would tend to agree with that. Yeah. There just you just it has to be something, um, like don't pee outside. <laughs> there we go. Nice segue. Um, that's the one I was going to do, so I'm going to go ahead and do mine because it was better. Uh, <laughs> one of my favorite television shows is uh, The Big Bang Theory. You guys ever watch that one? As recently as two hours ago. Yes, my my I did as well. I I watched it on DVR, and there's one of uh, the sort of seminal scenes. There's there's lots of really good ones, but there's one where Sheldon goes shopping with Penny, and Penny is purchasing multivitamins, and he scoffs at her and says, well, the human body can only absorb so much nutrients. Anything beyond that is you're just purchasing the ingredients for expensive urine. Remember that scene? I've act- I had a doctor mm-hmm. explain that to me one time. It's like, you got to get the, the good vitamins because then it's really expensive urine. Well, this next story puts expensive urine in a whole new light. Um, and this is uh, in Piedmont, Oklahoma. Oklahoma, Piedmont, Oklahoma. A, a young boy, um, Dylan, is three years old. He's out in his front yard. Um, he's in the process of being potty trained. He didn't feel he had time to make it to the bathroom. So he did what, frankly, every male in Oklahoma has done at some point. He unzipped and whipped it out. Um, and we're all Southerners here on this podcast. Can anybody raise their hand and say they have never peed out in the front yard? Oh, Probably just your wife. Yeah. Um, so Dylan, you know, three years old, just doing probably what he's seen daddy do a hundred times. Uh, this time was caught by a local police officer who cited his mom, $2,500 for public urination. 
$2,500. Jennifer okay. Warden said, uh, as a courtesy, the officer wrote down the cost of the ticket as a courtesy. Wow. Now, you know, she could get him technically um, because actually he's not urinating. He's evacuating. Urination is the process by which the urine is created from the kidneys and then goes to the bladder. So technically that guy, if he's had anything to drink, he's urinating while he's standing there. He's simply evacuating his bladder. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, it's the, the mom said, well, I'm on, he's in my yard, in my front property on private property in my yard. They said, well, it's in public view. So it's public indecency essentially. Um, and, um, there we go. We had a young young boy in our church one time. We'll just call him Lance because that was his name. And um, <clears throat> he, I came following him out of the sanctuary, and I thought he'd gone in the bathroom because I knew that's where he was going by the way he was holding himself because he was about five, four or five. And I went in the bathroom, and he wasn't in there. So I came back out, and I was like, where did he go? And I could see out the front door of the church. He was standing on the front sidewalk peeing in the flower bed. Yeah. Luckily, it was during service. Nobody was going in and out, but still, it was kind of funny. Uh, Mrs. Warden says that she plans on fighting the ticket based on the fact that the son never actually got to pee. The officer interrupted him. It was it was Uranus Interruptus. So uh, uh, she says that he can't possibly get a fine for public urination if he didn't actually get to urinate. I guess you could That's still true. call it public indecency, right? But how many times... I mean, here in the South, a little boy walking around at three years old with a schmeckle hanging out is not a big deal. I don't know about in the North, but it gets hot down here, right? And and that's sort of a common occurrence. Um, I doubt any of the neighbors would have cared, but this officer took it on himself to uh, <laughs> uphold the law. This is this is a small town. It was uh, from what They're the story. schmeckle there, apparently. Yes. Semi-rural area. Uh, this is probably, you know, this, this is not a highly trained police officer. I'm guessing this is, this is, you know, a, a beefed up Barney five who, uh, probably gets off on telling <laughs> other people what to do. He's got his bullet in his pocket, just right. waiting for the chance when, when Andy will let him load his gun. Now, Andy right. <laughs> got to nip it in the bud, Andy, nip it in the bud can't have little boys running around with their smackle out <laughs> so uh who's a fan of ron white anyone awesome yeah he, uh, he had a series i believe it was called you can't fix stupid and his uh premise there was that you can take a woman and you can make her look like anything you could point to a pair of boobs in a magazine and tell a doctor i want her to have those and get them but you can't fix stupid well, a fellow by the name of Jian Feng in China um, <laughs> sues his wife because she lied to him, essentially, for, by having plastic surgery. She was a hottie, a smoking hottie. And he said, quote, he married her for love, but quickly things went downhill. Um, I think he was thinking with his schmeckle. Um, but what, uh, what sealed the deal there? was they they had a baby and the baby was ridiculously ugly in fact the the man says the baby is so ugly i can barely stand to look at it and so he thought how could my smoking hottie give birth to that 
because clearly he thinks he's an Adonis. Um, so he accused her of being unfaithful. This must be some other man's ugly child. Um, but a DNA test said, nope, it's yours. So then she had to confess that she had had over $100,000 worth of cosmetic surgery to become the smoking hottie that she is today. So he uh, sues her in a Chinese court and wins. Oh, wow. The court agreed that she had misled him and, quote, tricked him into marrying her and awarded him a $120,000 fine. That's crazy because she is what she is now. You know, that's, that baby ain't nothing that $100,000 can't fix. <laughs> well, and, you know, she'll have $100,000 because uh, she won that much in a lawsuit. So uh, uh, the federal judge, well, their version of a federal judge, uh, agreed with Fang's argument uh, <laughs> and said that she had to fork over $120,000. <laughs> that's just bizarre. That's crazy. Probably speaks to that that whole society, though, right? It's it's so male dominated, and uh, you know, women are are more possessions than anything. I'm sure it goes back to that in some way. So you need to check out the link in the show notes at elementopi.com, and you can see the they have a before and after photo there, and um, that was a talented plastic surgeon, I must say. He earned his money uh, yeah. in in the transformation of that woman. Um, but it was found out that beauty is, is more expensive in, in many ways. So now really she spent $200,000 to look that good first on the right. surgery and second on the fine. Mark, as you're a, this is a totally unrelated story. As you're posting the, um, the links in the chat room and I'm seeing the, you know, these very wordy titles, it's just basically the title of the article with dashes in between it. Right. I was, a. Uh, uh, I've I've unfortunately been been suckered into watching the show Sons of Anarchy, and so it's about a biker gang, and it's on some channel. I don't remember what it's on, but it's like five seasons in five seasons into it, and I temp- temporarily have Netflix, so I've been watching it quite frequently on Netflix, catching up. I'm partway in like episode two of season three, about halfway into season two. <clears throat> if you if you can see on the live stream, my beard. I've grown my beard out quite a bit. I was telling my wife, there's a character called Opie, and I said, I'm going to grow my beard out like Opie on Sons of Anarchy. And she said, really? And I said, yeah. So I said, let me show you a picture. So I Googled Sons of Anarchy Opie, and the first thing that came up was, let me just Google it again. Wait, wait, Pause. wait. Log out first, because you're logged in, and that's going to skew the results. Well, I, I want it to be the same thing before. Okay. Let's see. The first thing says, uh, <laughs> The title of the article is Sons of Anarchy, Opie's Death. <laughs> and then the, t- the first line says, spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't watched last night's episode of Sons of Anarchy yet, stop reading now. Uh, Why except it was say that if you're going to put the thing? <laughs> I mean, it's like um, M. Night Shyamalan's new movie, Bruce Willis is a ghost. <laughs> spoiler alert. <laughs> That's funny. I thought you were going to say it came up with Element OP. And no, no, no. Because that would have been even better. That would have been good. But that's so funny. I was like, it's in the title. Why even say spoiler? All right, I'm done. Yeah. 
Um, just a clever segue. Doesn't have anything to do with anything, but uh, I was just reminded of this. Google Chrome actually saved me from being a doink uh, this past week. Uh, trademark. Thank you, Google Chrome. Copyright. 1997, doink. Um, I got uh, an email from that purported to be from my hosting provider that uh, I have my website with that said, you have exceeded the server capacity for your account, which would not be unlikely to be true um, with, the, with the hurting I put on it on their, quote, unlimited account. I'm expecting one of those emails any day there, any day now to say, Remember when we said unlimited? Let's redefine unlimited. Uh, but anyway, it was a very uh, reasonable-looking URL and a very reasonable-looking email, and I clicked on it, and Google Chrome said, hey, this is a phishing site, by the way. You might want to check that out. And so I looked a little closer at the URL, and it was cleverly obfuscated, but it was, in fact, uh, redirecting me to a site in Russia. <laughs> so I just wanted to throw that out there. One of the benefits of using the Chrome browser. You need bandwidth? Good. <laughs> so uh, that's all there is to that. doesn't have anything to do with anything. wasn't in the story. Uh, it was not a news story. I just thought I'd point that out there. Uh, that even seasoned tech professionals such as myself can be fished in by a good fishing scheme. Even the biggest fish in the pond will bite on the right bait sometimes. Um, and speaking of fishing, how about picking up litter? I got nothing. I got nothing. It's close. Um, <laughs> I, this, the first line of this sentence, um, really is worth the whole thing. Not even the first sentence, just the first line of it. A litter picking enthusiast who spends hours of his own time each day tidying up trash. Rubbish is the word. Um, you know, I could just stop right there. And call this one litter-picking enthusiast and leave it at that. Um, this is in Storbridge, West Midlands, UK. Um, a fellow by the name of David Baker likes to spend his time picking up trash. Okay, that's fine. But apparently there's something called fly-tipping. I had to look that up. Fly-tipping is uh, illegal dumping. Of trash. Now, it's not uncommon here in the U.S. for somebody to have a dumpster. You're a business. You have a dumpster. You pay to have that there. You pay to have some of that that uh, taken away. And somebody who decides they don't want their trash anymore will pull up behind a McDonald's and throw things in the dumpster. And uh, and that's uh, illegal. Well, in the U.K., apparently, they call that fly tipping. Well, this man was fined 75 pounds, which is about 120 bucks, uh, for picking up other people's trash and putting it in public trash cans. Not not dumpsters, not going into people's houses. No, there's public trash cans out in the park or the street or whatever, and he picks up other people's trash and puts it in there, and apparently mm -hmm. a local police officer said that was a bad thing, and um, when he put a pizza box uh, and some junk mail that was laying on the ground into a public uh, trash bin, rubbish bin, they say in the article, he was uh, fined 75 pounds. More zero tolerance stupidity. Yes. Makes so much sense, though. I mean, anytime I find somebody doing some altruistic act, I want to beat them down as soon as possible. Absolutely. Because otherwise, that stuff might start spreading. No good deed goes unpunished. So to David Baker, 
39 of Storbridge West Midlands, I tip my hat to you. I'm sorry that you got reamed. Yeah, I fly tip. That's nice. Good one. Thank you. Show title. Show title. So uh, it's just the legal systems around the world have just gone insane from from elementary schools in Australia to police officers in Oklahoma to beat walkers in um, the UK. They've all lost their freaking mind. Okay. Thanks for the commentary, guys. I'm glad I had you on. <laughs> well, if you if you can hire people by the fistfuls mark, if you just want them to pander to your every statement and say, uh huh, uh huh, but you don't want that. You want me to only comment when I really have something worth interrupting you about. <laughs> <laughs> if it's not worth interrupting, it's not worth saying. Um, this next one in it's just in the weird category, and I'm calling this one pot meat kettle. Um, we did, a, uh, I think we did a new story. I, I, I'm pretty sure we talked about it uh, a while back about the human Barbie. A, uh, I believe she was Czech, uh, from the Czech Republic, a woman, uh, who has, uh, gone out of her way to look like the famous toy doll. Uh, well, uh, this man has gone for, I'm, I'm sorry, my, my computer is, kind of gone wonky on me and I can only read half the article for some reason. So help me, help me out here. Does, is the guy's name mentioned? Um, yeah. Um, his name is, um, Justin Jedlica. Justin Jedlica. 90 surgeries and spent a hundred thousand. Apparently all plastic surgery costs a hundred thousand dollars. That's a good round number for plastic surgery. To look like Mattel's Ken dolls, but he doesn't have, want to have anything to do with Valeria Lukianova the self self-styled Barbie doll person because she relies on makeup, fake hair and corsets. And he says a true body mod such as myself lives with a conviction to their alternations and doesn't wash them off. Yeah. So basically he's got uh, like ab implants and pack implants and I don't know, liposuction. I don't know what, what all has had to go on there, but um, he wants to make himself look like, a Ken doll. I wonder if he had his genitalia removed too, because the last time I looked at a Ken doll, there was nothing there. Um, but he uh, he says that uh, life size Barbie is a fake, and I'm the real thing. Hello, pot meat kettle. Well, he looks like Keanu Reeves in the picture, in the middle. <laughs> Keanu Reeves. Okay. Um, I think I think actually the Barbie chick is hotter than he is. Now, uh, let me be the first to say I'm not a good judge of what a hot man is, but uh, I think she looks more like Barbie than he does Ken. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe it's just because I've spent more time looking at Barbie because at any one time there are at least a hundred naked Barbie dolls scattered about my house because I have three daughters, and that's what they do. They buy Barbie dolls, they undress them, and then they lay them on the floor so that you can step on them in the middle of the night. Well, this this guy's missed one obvious one. And the hair. Cheap, right? Yeah, he's a brunette. He hasn't, I mean, dye your hair, right? What's that yeah, he couldn't buy, afford a $3 bottle of peroxide because they spent all his money on I plastic I surgery. Ken, I, thought Ken, I thought Ken did have brown hair. Well, Adam, maybe maybe there are multiple variations of Ken, but I remember Ken being blonde. Yeah, I did too. 
Somebody right. in the chat room help me out. Ken Doll. I'm in Google. Let's see images. The first one is blonde. The second one is blonde. The third one's brunette. Blonde. Blue. Oh, that's a hat. <laughs> blonde, blonde. Three different ones. Red, blonde, brown. Brunette, brunette, blonde, blonde. So there's no there's no real 100%. All right. Um, I think you can get away with brunette and be okay. There's, there's the cool like uh, Jackson 5 Ken. Do you see that one? Uh-huh. African. That's funny. African. Yeah. And staying with our uh, um, European theme, uh, jobless people. That's like the little boy in the front yard. Yes. European. Nice. Oh, uh, jobless people in uh, black, uh, in Wales, in one of the worst, hit, uh, hardest hit areas of unemployment um, called Aberdare, Aber, yeah, Aberdare. I'm guessing. Um, the, there's a uh, a job center. It's a nonprofit organization set up to uh, uh, assist people in you know finding work in an area where the unemployment is nine point six percent. They have partnered with uh, an academy of uh, a beauty academy, basically a beauty school. To send people there, homeless people, uh, not homeless people, jobless people there, for a free makeover and spray-on tan. That'll help. That right makes there. that makes a lot of sense. And it, it's better uh, to look good than to feel good, darling. Yeah. And the uh, um, <laughs> the proponents of this plan uh, are quick to point out that they're only sending people who are really looking for work, who have demonstrated a, a desire to find work. They're the ones who get the tan in a can. Other people don't. By looking for some sense of reason and logic in there, and I'm not finding it. That's crazy. <laughs> um, I mean, the the uh, what they're basically saying is, if you look good, you're more likely to get the job. Eh, maybe, uh, yeah. but. Um, as as one as one person said, um, I don't know any employer that would be impressed if you turned up tanned. They'd be more inclined to be impressed if you had the skills and experience to undertake the job that's been advertised. With the one <laughs> exception maybe being a human Barbie doll, in which case a tan is a good thing. Right. Yeah, but we're talking about the UK also, right? I mean, that's not exactly uh, the land of bronzed people. Uh, well, it is here. If you're jobless, <laughs> you you can tell that that's what it is. It's a way of marking them on the street. If you've ever, ever wondered the right. difference between the employed and the unemployed, the ones with tans are the people who don't have a job. Yeah, I got nothing. Yeah. I'm trying. I'm trying I mean, to find some reason for this. Uh, this is just one of those things. It's like, what do we got? We got that old tan machine in the back. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking if you're unencumbered with such things as working and earning a living and, and being a productive member of society, it wouldn't be a big deal to just lay out in your backyard and get some sun a couple hours a day. I mean, I would think a tan would actually be pretty low on the list of things that you can't afford if you didn't have a job. Yeah. Should be pretty easy. Yeah. I mean, I don't have food. I don't have a house. But because I don't have a house, I spend a lot of time in the sun and look at my tan. 
I told you it was a slow news week, people. This is the best I've got. So uh, speaking of jobless, <laughs> there are some executives in Germany who are now jobless because they thought it would be a good idea to reward their top-selling salesman at this insurance company by renting out a resort and filling it full of hookers and saying, enjoy, fellas. <laughs> I'm not making this stuff up. Um, the, uh, the historic Gellert Spa in Budapest uh, made headline news uh, when it was revealed how four poster beds had been set up along the poolside area. Um, the insurance company Ergo uh, Insurance, German company, um, rented out the place, stocked it with, with service-oriented personnel, um, who who wore armbands? The, some of them were clearly marked as for food service only. Others were marked for a different kind of service. And then, depending on the amount of sales you had achieved, you were allowed to make use of various colored armbands. So the white colored armbands were restricted to the top sellers only. Huh. Wow. <laughs> they really thought this through. This wasn't a spur of the moment stupid idea where they all went out to some club and they realized there were some prostitutes there and, and the boss paid for the prostitutes for the guys. This was a this this takes some for they had a project manager assigned to this for a couple yeah, months. Yeah, this was something that was well thought out, planned in advance, they, they had an event planner, they had a caterer. Um they had Gantt charts of the night <laughs> of what things would happen when. And uh, you know, it's probably an interview process. Um, yeah, my, my only question right now is, are they hiring? Cause I'm considering a career in sales. <laughs> <laughs> it says the company is a subsidiary of the Hamburg Mannheimer, uh, company, uh, claimed that neither the parent company nor the managing directors at Ergo were aware of exactly what had been organized. Uh, prosecutors, prosecutors, this is what I love this spent 12 months looking at the evidence. They inspected every girl individually and they took their time. <laughs> they spent 12 months analyzing the evidence and have now charged two former, former ergo managers, uh, with fraud, uh, for concealing the fact that their expenses, expense claims were to pay for the prostitutes. I don't know. I'm not from Germany. Maybe prostitution is legal there because there's not anything listed here about the fact that they had hookers at the party it's that they didn't declare it on the expense forms this much money went to hookers that's funny um <laughs> it says that uh where to go thousands of people have dropped their claims immediately when they find out that this is how their insurance premiums are being spent Jim, Jim in the chat room says, are you sure they're not a subsidiary of the G spirits company? No. <laughs> Callback. That's what they call that. So, uh, yeah, if you're looking for a career in sales, perhaps Germany is the place to go. So Sean, you spent some time, um, as an officer of the law, both in the military and out, right? Yes. Do you ever have any training or experience with a taser? Yes. <laughs> Do you ever tase a 10-year-old kid? No. <laughs> I never tased anybody other than in training. 
Well, in uh, <laughs> in New York, uh, is it New York? Where is it? I've I've totally lost it already. No, New Mexico, Tularosa, yeah. New Mexico. I think uh, I'm right in the middle of the chest too. <laughs> right. Uh, an intermediate intermediate school's career day. A cop showed up at career day. Uh, and there's, of course, two sides to the story, both of which diverge wildly. Um, the uh, the boy who got the taser to the chest, um, and uh, and his friends say that what happened was the cop rolled up and said, "Who'd like to wash my squad car?" And uh, a young boy, only identified as R.D., raised his hand and said he would not be interested in washing a cop car. At which point, the police officer pointed the taser at him and said, this is what happens to people who don't listen to the police. Fired, hit him square in the chest, and as he fell virtually unconscious, Sean, were you ever tased, Sean? Yes. Yeah, because yes. I thought so. They make you experience that, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, you, you get it, and then you get to shoot somebody else. It, it, it's an interesting day. Your whole body just sort of ceases to be your body at that point, right? Yeah, and it's painful. Yeah. You sort of seize up, and, and if you're a 10-year-old boy, I can certainly see how you would black out. Uh, so, that the, again, their side of the story is that he yanked the wires out after the boy had stopped seizing um, and actually broke the wires off the leads, then went and yanked the re- leads out of his chest, then took him into the bathroom to wash some of the singe marks off of him before taking him to the principal. That's his story. I mean, their story. The cop's story is, I pulled it out to show it to the kids, and it went off accidentally. I'm not sure which one of those I tend to believe. Yeah. Uh, it says that there was a, a uh, report. Apparently, tasers are smart enough to diagnose themselves. Uh, and the report said that uh, there was nothing wrong with it, no apparent malfunction, and that it fired because the trigger had been pulled. So, well, I mean, he could have accidentally fired it. He could have been uh, the the entire conversation that led up to the firing could have been true, right? You know, the smart aleck comment from the cop, the smart aleck response from the kid. I'll sh- I'll show this kid. I'll start scaring with my taser gun, and oops, I squeezed the trigger when I didn't mean to. Right. All yeah. of those things could but, well have happened, but the fact is, he pointed a taser at a kid. Yeah, not a good idea. Yeah. Um, well, this I, is uh, so. I'm. I'm. I guess my job tonight is to look up the populations of small towns that are. <laughs> <laughs> this one's even a little bit smaller than the last one. Twenty eight hundred people. So, uh, uh, I, they're yeah. probably related. It, yeah. It's just. I mean, you're not exactly going to get top notch <laughs> uh, law enforcement officers in a small yeah. town. Let's go. Let's go super highbrow right now for a second, guys. Since we just had that that sad story. I got a joke for you. It's a geeky joke. I think you'll like it. Maybe you won't. An infinite number of mathematicians walk into a bar. First guy walks up to the bar and says, give me a beer. Second guy walks to the bar and says, give me a half a beer. Third guy walks up and says, give me a quarter of a beer. Third, fourth guy walks up and says, give me an eighth of a beer. Bartender puts two beers up on the counter and says, you guys work it out. Oh, nice. <laughs> I thought you were going to make some asymptotic comment. No. I like that joke, though. <laughs> so, have I ever told you my geek joke? Maybe I'll tell you later. It's uh, an engineer, a physicist, and a mathematician 
go deer hunting. Ever told you that one? Mm, no. Uh, it seems like a perfect time to tell it, though. All right. Well, it's, it, it's a short joke. Engineer, physicist, mathematician, go deer hunting. Uh, they come up on a deer in the woods. The engineer um, first measures the wind and calculates the uh, distance and the angle and fires at the deer. And the bullet, you can see from the uh, dust trail, ends exactly two meters to the left of the deer. The physicist chuckles that he didn't consider the Coriolis effect and the prevailing winds and the uh, temperature uh, differential between their current position and the deers. He makes those calculations and fires, and the bullet lands exactly two meters to the right of the deer. The mathematician jumps up and down, screaming, We got him! We got him! It's <laughs> pretty funny. Geek There's joke. actually... There's, a, there's actually a video out there, and I'll pull the link up. Um, it's it's got a couple of, of a little bit of off color jokes in it, but it's it's 31 geek jokes in a row, just bam, bam, bam. Uh, neither of which of our jokes was was uh, one of the ones in there, and it they are they're pretty pretty darn funny. Um, I can't even do them justice. I can't do the guy justice the way he does it. He did he does a great job uh, the way he reels them off one by one, and so I'll just. Uh, I'll find that video for you and put it in there. I'll come watch it later. So in sticking with the uh, high-minded section of the show, uh, this one I'm titling, and this I'm totally ripping this title off from Taylor Molly, uh, a slam poet, brilliant fellow. Um, he has a poem called The, the Impotence of Proofreading. <laughs> uh, so, I corrected it for you. Yeah, you did. <laughs> no, you did, and I changed it back. Yeah, The, the Impotence of proofreading uh it's a funny poem well uh this took place right here in my own backyard almost literally in woodstock georgia where i now live a family uh put an ad on craigslist that they didn't think through very well the ad on craigslist said and uh i don't i'm not reading it directly i saw the quote originally but i I can't find it right now uh said basically we're moving uh, we're looking to give stuff away. Everything must go. Come and get it. And it listed some things, beds, furniture, that sort of stuff. Uh, it was supposed to start at uh, 9 a.m. Well, the family, I'm guessing, went out to breakfast or whatever. They showed up back at their house just before 9 a.m. to find a mob had broken into it and were looting everything they'd owned. Literally, the Craigslist ad said, everything must go. So people were taking away, he says, there are a couple of uh, guitars that belonged to the guy's father that uh, were very valuable to him, uh, uh, family jewels, not that kind of family jewels, uh, photo albums. Why would somebody take somebody else's photo albums? I can tell you why, because it's free. And when things go have a free price tag on it, people get nuts about it. So... Um, that they showed up and tried to stop people and the mob basically shouted them down and said, no, we're taking the stuff. And they pretty much totally ransacked the house, took fixtures out of the house, just entirely went nuts because the ad said everything must go. Here, here's the ad. Fairly large free yard sale moving and we want everything to go for free. So come over and take whatever you want and how much you want. 
Here are a couple of items that will be there. Couch, chairs, lots of household and kitchen items, appliances, a wardrobe, desk, recliner, movies, lots of books, lamps, women's and teens clothing, etc. And also a box of free food with lots of cans. Please take only if you need it. Yeah, it says, we'll start at 10 a.m. We'll finish when everything is, is gone. gone. It says a lady had her truck loaded with my grandma's sewing machine and she wouldn't give it to me. So I had to call the police and the police got the sewing machine back. The police were able to track down some of the people and get some of the stuff back. That's but crazy. if you're going to put an ad on Facebook, uh, excuse me, Craigslist, that says everything must go, we'll finish when everything is gone. You probably yeah. didn't make a wise choice there. Yeah, I think he was he surprised. Didn't learn from the one he put on before, where he where he put the one parking my car at Walmart. Keys are in it, third <laughs> slot. <laughs> Feel free to take it and drive it like it's your own. Now, I don't mean to make fun of these people's hardship. Actually, I do. That's exactly what I mean to do. Uh, um, I just don't want you to think I don't feel any sympathy for them. This was a this is a terrible thing. The reason it they is. were moving is uh, they had had some financial difficulties, lost jobs, bad economy. They were having to leave their house that they'd been in for like 20 years uh, and move into the in-laws basement. And the reason they were giving stuff away is they didn't have room for it in the in-laws basement. So this is sort of tragedy compounded on top of tragedy here. Uh, and I don't mean to gloss over that. It is a sad thing, but there's definitely a lesson to be learned there. And that is when placing a Craigslist ad, read it to somebody else and see what they think of it. Yes. So. Yes. Yeah. Right here. in Sean, say, say yes, Sean. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Do the Ed McMahon thing. Do some gruff laughter. <laughs> so uh, while we're sort of on the theme of uh, crime and punishment, that could be the title for the show, crime and punishment. Uh, Sean, when you were uh, an MP, I bet you got some good excuses for drunk soldiers and doing the things they were doing. What's the best excuse you ever heard? As to why they were drunk? Just for anything. Just for any random excuse for why somebody was breaking the law. Oh, that's a tough one. Let me get back to you on that one. Let me. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll tell you mine. A fellow in Western Siberia refuses to pay his fine of a thousand rubles, which is about 30 bucks, um, after a minor car accident this summer. His reasoning is that. The Mayans have predicted the end of civilization on December 21st, 2012, and the money won't be spent on anything useful anyway. So there's no reason for him to pay his fine. The city won't have time to process that and put it to filling a pothole or anything like that. So he shouldn't be able to be required to pay his fine because the world is coming to an end. I'm calling it the Mayan defense. Sense. Makes perfect sense to me. I mean, why? Why pay it if it's just going to, if you're not going to be able to spend it? Okay, but why not just <laughs> go in and get some sort of continuance, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I get a continuance till December 22nd. Yeah, can you give me 90 days? Right. <laughs> um, but he says, uh, 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 this is a, an English translation of the Russian article, so it's obviously not a direct translation, but, uh, quote, however, the debtor believes that if people are kinder to each other and forgive each other's debts, including unpaid fines, the world will not come to an end. So you can actually save the planet by not making me pay my fine. 
that's putting the uh, burden of proof back on on them. Nice. If I were the judge, I would set a court date for December 22nd and say, show up here to pay your fine. I'd give him that continuance. I'd be fine with that. Why not? It's kind of one of those things where, you know, um, it reminds me of, of the tick, one of the episodes of the tick where, and they're sitting in the the cafe, the the diner after the the tick's a superhero, by the way, in case you don't know. Um, and he's talking to the tick is uh, the superhero. He is. He's talking to uh, Deflator Mouse, who is like a Batman parody, but that really is scared to really do anything. And he's like, "So you're telling me that you saved the entire universe this weekend? Yeah. Do you have any way to prove it? Well, well we're all still here, aren't we?" okay you got me there (laughs) so that's you know that's the guy's defense is the world's going to end we'll prove it well we'll just have to wait and see yeah so (laughs) i don't you think it's going to work i kind of think maybe it's not going to work for him the best work work excuse i think i've said this before on the show best excuse ever heard of of you know it was a joke but um for being late to work was the government declared all the property around my house a wetland, and I had to be airlifted from my home. <laughs> That's why I was late to work today, boss. Now, I've seen enough 80s television sitcoms to know that you don't want to mess with the Russian legal system. So uh, this guy <laughs> is probably going to end up eating rice uh, in a gulag. Yeah. yeah. Uh, th- this next story is neither s- bizarre nor funny, but... A, a good moral story uh, on a lot of ways. Um, an employee at a Verizon wireless store in Florida. Hey, we got Florida. there. Had to have some Florida. Um, I, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but here's, here's basically what happened. Chick goes into the Verizon store because her phone was busted. They give her a new phone copy the contents of her existing phone onto the new phone. She goes on her way. Pimply-faced Verizon store geek employee starts nosing through the data that's still on the phone. He made a copy of it. He didn't transfer. He didn't delete anything. And finds about uh, two dozen naked photos of the owner of the previous phone. And naturally, he does what any good geek would do. He makes a copy of them and starts sharing them. And uh, sometime later, a couple of weeks later, he feels the need to show these to a customer. I don't know why you would do that, but it uh, turns out the customer knows the naked woman in the photos. And he goes, That's to, my the, mom. <laughs> <yeah>. he goes <laughs> to the police uh, and says, uh, there's a guy there who's got some naked pics. Um, and basically there's two people in jail now over it. So don't be stupid. It's the, it's the classic one liner from, you know, the, the stand up from the sixties. Do you have any next naked pictures of your wife? No. Would you like some? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, there yeah, are so a- many things wrong with that picture. If you're going to take naked photos of yourself, send me a copy. No. Uh, if you're going to take naked photos of your, of yourself, delete them. Yes. Delete them is important another thing don't trust people at the verizon store their kids making minimum wage 
They're not bound by lawyer uh, client privilege or the Hippocratic Oath <laughs> or anything else. Right. Uh, thirdly, I think I'm up to three. If you choose to steal naked pictures of a woman off of her phone, don't show them to anybody else. And don't store them on your work computer. Words to live by. Yeah. <laughs> there were so many things done wrong in that story. <laughs> the the uh, the woman in question was a waitress nearby, um, and uh, the woman says, "quote The photos were very private in nature, and several depict her nude breasts and vagina." There were no photos listed in the article, so you can not bother to go look. I know some of you are thinking about that. So, yeah, I, I uh, uh, Magi Obi-Wan, Magi Obi-Wan in the chat room says, I don't trade in my old phones. Yeah, I don't either. But she was, this was a warranty replacement, I'm guessing. So they don't let you keep the phone in that case. So she kind of didn't have a choice in the matter. She thought the phone was dead. She's a waitress, right? She's not a, a technician. She assumed, A, the phone was probably dead beyond repair, and B, they were going to wipe it for her. They were going to copy the contents over and delete it for her. So there were a lot of assumptions there that shouldn't have been made. Like, for example, trusting the guy at Verizon. Right. I don't hand a phone with naked pictures of me to anybody. <laughs> I, don't, well, I don't have a phone with naked pictures of me, but if I did, I wouldn't hand it to anybody. Thank you for that. Yeah. Just, <laughs> no danger here. I I am I have been known to walk in front of of windows uncovered windows wearing less than than is modest, and my wife sometimes chastises me about that because gosh, she didn't want to look at it either. Uh, no, but uh, you know that th some she says somebody could be looking in, and my response to that is, is always, if you're looking in the windows at my house, you deserve what you get. You feast your eyes and suffer. <laughs> Uh, so <laughs> another story of with morals abound uh, comes to us um, from Indiana. Uh, a 19-year-old uh, young man was totally stoned out of his gourd on LSD. And he was walking around telling everybody he could that A, his Indiana home was filled with aliens. B, dinosaurs were chasing him. C, hey, police officer, would you like to come into my house and see my stash? <laughs> and D, getting high was great and the whole world was trip. It should trip. Uh, followed by E, <laughs> continuing to ramble on honestly about distributing LSD for money. And F, saying that selling acid was doing the people's work. So there's seven steps right there that you should not six, that you should never do. You know, don't sample your own product is probably the first among them. And if you do, don't go tell police, don't invite them into your home, don't show them the stash, and don't brag about selling your illicit drugs for money. We're a full service podcast. We'll, <laughs> we'll tell you everything you need to know to stay out of jail. Oh, so. It's just, it, the guy deserves what he gets, right, uh, at some point there. He's 19 years old. Um, 
I don't know if this is like going to ruin his life. You know, is he going to spend the rest of his life in jail? Probably not. Uh, but when he was questioned, uh, he says that he was under the influence of LSD and it had taken 30 hits of acid. And then he added without prompting that he had thousands of hits of acid in a box on the floor. You want to see it? It's over here next to the aliens. But yeah. be quick because the dinosaurs are going to eat it. If one of the dinosaurs chase you, look in the bottom drawer. That's where I keep the AKs. <laughs> and uh, don't mind the uh, illegal human trafficking I have going on in the bottom in the basement there, too. All right. So from one ridiculous uh, story to the next, how's this for a headline? An Austrian court has ordered a bank robber to be given back the 51,000 pounds that he stole. The court... I actually read this whole article because I just couldn't believe it. Yeah. So here's the scenario. In uh, 1993, almost 20 years ago, a fellow embezzled about $150,000 in cash and gold bars and coins uh, from the bank at which he was the manager. Um, he recruited two accomplices to, to accomplices to stage a fake robbery. Uh, when by the time the police caught up with him, um, fifty one thousand dollars and gold coins were recovered. The rest of the money had been spent. So fifty, uh, excuse me, fifty one thousand pounds, which is uh, one hundred and fifteen or so thousand dollars. Doing quick math in my head. Um, so the the there was gold coins and fifty one thousand pounds there. So here's, here's the interesting twist, though. The bank had already received the insurance money. They had filed an insurance claim. They had gotten their money back, their $150,000 pounds they got back. So when it was all said and done, they didn't want the money. The insurance company says, well, the gold bars that we recovered have now gone up in value several times what they were worth then. So we're not out any money. So we'd like you to give him the money back. So they cut him a check for 51,000 pounds 19 years after the fact because it had been sitting in a holding cell. It was like it had been in evidence for all this time. Um, and when the police released it, nobody wanted it. So he had, I'm guessing he'd done his time, right? Paid for his crime. Um, yeah. And now they've reimbursed him 51,000 pounds. I wish it would tell us, I wish the article told us how long he was in jail if he went to jail. I'm assuming he did. Yeah, well, you would think that. Yeah, I, I don't know the Austrian legal system well, but I'm pretty sure they would frown on embezzling 150,000 pounds. So is an Aussie an Austrian or Australian? Or uh, I, I put it, did it wrong in the, it's Austrian. When I first read the article, I thought it was Australia. So, is, yeah. but does Aussie typically refer to Australian? Yes. Okay. Yes. So fix that, if you would, in the notes. Uh, and then the last one, the last in our sorted tale, um, is another crook who got what was coming to him, but in a very different way. Uh, this is a very um, international nice show this week. What'd you say, Aaron? Nice one. Nice one. Thank you. A uh, very international uh, show this week. Um, this took place in um, 
I can't find it. My brain just froze up. Somebody find it for me. Uh, in, it's it. in Australia. It's in Perth. There we go. Perth. Perth, Australia. Um, a uh, home invader broke into the house of Edwin and Jutta, J-U-T-T-Y-A, uh, Dowdy. Edwin is 83 years old. Jutta is 76 years old. Uh, a uh, would-be home invader broke into their home with intent to, I don't know, do, do damage or, uh, or steal. Who knows? Um, what he did not expect is that both Edwin and Jutta have black belts in martial arts. <laughs> so um, he actually left. The only thing he got were multiple stab wounds and several bleeding, gaping wounds. Uh, so they don't know who he is. He's been unidentified. He didn't actually uh, make it into the house. He didn't steal anything, but he got what was coming to him in a big way. It says, the article says, quote, a large amount of blood was visible outside the door, outside the window this morning. Uh, he fled down, fled the street uh, with the Dowdies in pursuit. The, 80, the 83-year-old and 76-year-old followed him. Um, he tried to steal a car from a few doors down. Um, <laughs> there was a said the vehicle had blood on it. There was a lengthy blood uh, trail down the street. When the thief was unable to break into the car, he fled on foot <laughs> and and finally outran the octogenarian couple after they had totally kicked his butt. Welcome to Australia. We're tough. Maybe only three, 83, but I'll kill you before the mines in the world. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so Australians are more deadly than the Mayans. That I just love that story. I don't know why it's, it, well, I do know why it's because he, you know, this guy was up to no good and he got what was coming to him from a couple of old people who were unharmed in any way. They were not hurt at all. And they're they're looking for people. <laughs> I love how police do things. They've put out uh, an APB, essentially, the All Points Bulletin, uh, saying, you know, help us find him. They say, quote, he is likely to have a noticeable injury to the lower front or side of his torso. Oh. No <laughs> octogenarians were hindered in the making of this podcast. Oh, it's uh, the, another quote from Oracle says, people have a right to take action and defend their own person, to defend their dwelling and defend other people. The force that they use must be reasonable and it must fit the circumstances and it must be considered in relation to the threat they're facing. Um, that was basically the, the police inspector saying, we're not planning on pressing any charges. Um, it says, quote, the reality is we don't know what injuries have been caused uh, and we don't know to whom the injuries have been caused. But we have sufficient evidence in relation to what sort of actions have taken place. <laughs> I don't even know what that means, but it was a fun quote to read. <laughs> We're not sure really what happened. It's how two old people stabbed an idiot. Yeah. See, if I wrote the article, it would be like this. Dude tried to break into a house and got his butt handed to him by a couple of old folks. That's why I'm not a newspaper writer. <laughs> That's it. That's our stories of the last 10 days or so. Not exactly the week. Um, but uh, I, so I, I've, I didn't say the title of that one. I'm calling Black Belt and Socks to Match. 
So, you know, you always see the old guys with the black socks and the sandals. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> Did I get a, get a little too close to home there, Aaron? Yeah. Do you resemble that remark? Uh-huh. All right. So that's it, guys. Any other uh, comments or commentary? No. Nothing. All right. So how about you just tell people where they can find you on the web? and in the world if they would like to make some comments. Aaron? If you have something to say about my gruff laughter or anything else, you can email me at A-R-O-N at onemealoneworkout.com. Mr. Kybel? You can find me on Twitter at SeanTX. Look me up at on Facebook or find me at elementop.com. And that is Sean, S-H-A-W-N, not seen. Yes. I hate that. Yeah. Yeah. But apparently that's the correct, like, I I guess that's the the Irish way to spell Sean. So supposedly that's the correct way. I I don't buy it. Yeah. They're all too drunk to know how to spell. It's not seen of the deed. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, I, I just got that. Sean of the dead. I get it. That's funny. Thank you. Um, so, and you can find me at elementopi.com. That's my home on the web. You can find this show and others like it. So if you're just listening to this, uh, for the first time on, uh, on Justin TV or whatever, and you don't know where we come from or where, from whence we came, um, you can go to elementopi.com or iamopi.com. My license plate is also my URL. So you can, uh, you can go there and, uh, find out, um, more about us, more about the offerings that we have, the uh, the great uh, content that we put out every week. And we look forward to hearing your comments in the forums. You can uh, click the Contact Us button at the top of the page, send us an email. Uh, as I said, you can leave a, make a forum post, or you can uh, use the uh, Leave Us a Voicemail widget at the top right of the webpage. Uh, give us your phone number. Google Voice will call you, and you can leave a message up to three minutes in length, and we'll play it on the air. So that's all I have to say about that. that. So thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, It's been a fun show. It was a good one to to, uh, come back after a little bit of a hiatus. Uh, So uh, we're glad you're with us. Hope to see you next week where we record this show uh, on Thursday nights at 10 p.m. Eastern time. I'll let you do the math as to figure out when that is your time. And uh, we hope to see you there. And for now, that ends this episode of The Periodic Table.